0: You're listening to a podcast edition of Closer to Truth. For more information about this series, visit our website, closertotruth.com.
1: Do angels and demons exist? Two thirds of all Americans not only believe that angels and demons do exist, but also that they are active in the world. Skeptics are dumbfounded by such archaic nonsense. To believe in non physical beings in today's world, souls or spirits without bodies or brains, may seem Well, incredible. But there are serious scholars who take angels and demons seriously. Why? Certainly, non-physical beings would challenge the scientific worldview that only the physical is real. Certainly, angels and demons, in one form or another, populate most of the world's religions. But do angels and demons really exist? I'm Robert Lawrence Kuhn, and Closer to Truth is my journey to find out. I start at Biola University in Los Angeles with a very smart believer. J.P. Moreland, a Christian philosopher, I'm sure JP will defend angels and demons, but how? JP, I'm going to ask you a question that um, ordinarily I wouldn't do in, uh, in, in, in polite intellectual circles. Let's like, have it. <laughs> and that is, do you believe that angels, demons exist?
2: I don't believe they exist. I know they exist. Uh, and there are two reasons. So the first one is, that I'm convinced Christianity is true. So, this is a system dependent belief. Mm-hmm. If Christianity is true and Jesus rose from the dead then angels are real. And secondly there are just too many credible intelligent people who have had encounters with angels and demons to, to, to dismiss it. I myself had an encounter with three angels. And I went to a church two years ago to speak and a woman came up to me afterwards and said, Dr. Moreland you are going to think I am crazy. But I'm telling you while you were speaking there were three angels. Two were standing on either side. There was a third one taller than you standing over your head and they had white robes but I couldn't see faces in them. And I thought thank you very much, ma'am. You are a very dear person. Let me get out of here. (laughs) Eight to ten months later I was going through a very difficult emotional time and I was laying in bed one night and I said, Lord Jesus, I don't know if those angels were real or not but if they were real, would you send them back to me, and would you let me know they're here to comfort me? Robert, less than a week later, I get an email from one of my graduate students. This guy is is a graduate student in philosophy. His wife's doing a PhD in philosophy. He's a rational guy. He sends me an email and says, Dr. Moreland, I've got to tell you something, and I've know how to tell you this. Three days ago in class for 10 to 15 minutes, I saw three angels standing around you. There was one on either side of you. There was one standing behind you that was looking over your head and taller than you are. And I know for sure I saw them. Well, I mean, I was blown away. I never told anybody about this prayer request.
1: Don't these angels ever want to have different positions? They always, they, 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 they're they required to be in the same place? Well,
2: actually, what was interesting was that if he were simply making this up, number one, I don't know how you explain the coincidence with the fact I just asked God about, to answer that did prayer ever, less than a week earlier. Did you ever
1: tell anybody about your encounter with a woman? Uh, with no, the never told a person. Anybody over here tell you that?
2: No, because that was up in Seattle, Washington, and all this is down in Southern California.
1: If this really occurred, and I'm not disputing a first-person account of of anything, I, sure. I certainly believe that you believe it. But uh, I have to tell you, honestly, that this does not uh, uh, move me one nanometer in terms of my belief or non-belief right. in, in this. Um, if this. If this is real, if this is something that God does, why isn't it... Done more often It what is. Was the per- uh, you can't deal with, with, with one anecdote because statistically, there's so many different possibilities of things happening. Robert, if
2: you go that route, you'll never be able to to conclude that a person is intelligently uh, communicating I, I, to you.
3: I, I
1: look, I, 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 th- this is an All right, unending let's, argument. We'll let it go. Let, let, let's, let's, <laughs> let's go on and, and, yeah. and, and take your assumption that angels and demons do exist. Uh, yes. So now, what are the purposes of these angels? Yeah. What, are, what are
2: they doing? They're, they're persons, they have lives. They're involved in this world, they are involved in interacting with God. It is actually the case that children have guardian angels. This isn't make-believe. This is real. And angels do protect children. Now, there is evil in this world and so it is not 100%. Well, it seems like they are doing an awful job. But that is based on your assumption of what it would be like if they weren't on the job. You don't know that. Well, look at the continent of Africa. Well, How do you, did, what are those angels doing? What would it be like if they were involved? What if do they, they feed these people
1: instead of just watching them?
2: You are making an assumption based upon comparison with what the world would be like if they weren't involved. I can't imagine it worse in some of those places. Well, then you need to go over in Africa and talk to Africans because they will tell you that they have seen angels and that they have helped them If they had more food they
1: wouldn't see so many angels.
2: <laughs> that, now that is an ad hominem <laughs> argument and you know it. <laughs> By the way, one of the reasons I believe in demons is because I have, I know men with PhDs. Have,
1: I have a PhD, telling a PhD s- doesn't, no, mean, anything. Well, hold doesn't it, mean anything, crazy it, it people have PhDs. Stay with me,
2: I'm trying to say that these aren't hysterical people that grab anything that comes along. Uh, is there a finite number of angels?
1: Yes. About how many?
2: I have absolutely no idea.
1: Uh, is it more than 100? Yes. Is it less than a trillion?
2: Yes. Okay, that's fair enough.
1: <laughs> I like J.P. He's fun as well as smart. Neither makes him right, of course. If he harbors doubts, I couldn't find them. Normally, I'd now go to a skeptic, but I already know what they'd say. I prefer to explore the thinking behind such beliefs, how believers explain angels and demons. I'll get a Catholic perspective. I go to Notre Dame to speak with Thomas Flint, editor of the scholarly journal, Faith and Philosophy. I asked Tom how a philosopher of
0: religion would assess angels and demons. It seems to me to be perfectly plausible to believe that angels and demons exist. I mean, not perhaps with all of the cultural trappings that we see in motion pictures and images of beings in long robes with wings on the back and so on. Beings who are spiritual beings, beings who have something akin to a human soul, but not a physical body connected with it, uh, it seems entirely reasonable to believe that God would create such things. If we think of humans in the traditional way as having a body and having a soul, there seems to be a large distance between us and God, lots of possibilities for beings to create. Some of these might be other beings that have body and soul as well. Maybe there are some which are superior to humans in certain ways, intellectually, physically, all kinds of possibilities there. There doesn't appear to be any impossibility though in there being persons, free individuals, who don't have bodies, don't have physical bodies. And that of course is basically what an angel or a demon is. An angel is simply, a finite non-physical person who has, so to speak, decided for God, and a demon is simply a non-physical finite person who has decided against God, who has rebelled against God. I mean, if anything, it would be, it would be very surprising, I think, if God hadn't created anything lower than himself but higher than us. And the uh,
1: existence of these uh, angels and demons uh, in God's plan would have been known by God uh, f- from before he created them.
0: We're largely speculating there. Sure, I mean, the, sure, The tradition suggests that there are some relations, at least, between uh, the life of angels, let's say, and the life of humans here on Earth. There are many biblical examples, of course, of God sending angels as his mes- messengers to humans to inform them of something, remind them of something, Um, There's a long tradition, at least within Catholicism, of guardian angels, God assigning angels to each individual to try to help them to develop spiritually and to come closer to God. Uh, And of course, there's also the long tradition of, um, of demons being connected with humans in a way which is much more harmful. That what they're trying to do is to get us to rebel against God in the same way that that they have rebelled against God. Now,
1: the rebellion of demons was part of God's original plan that he knew when he chose
0: um, the possible world to actualize? Well, I would think it had to be part of his plan in the sense that God is omniscient. It was something he was willing to accept, something he was willing to permit for some good reason. Now, often we don't know what the good reason is, why God permits evil. But as Christians, we have this faith, we have this confidence that there is a good reason, that something was being achieved by permitting this kind of evil. So I think one thing that it tells us is that our good God is one who Acknowledges, knows that this evil is going to occur if he creates certain creatures in certain situations, and is willing to accept that and sees that great good can come out of it. For theists of that sort,
1: Tom's rational account of angels and demons seems so at odds with both objective science and tabloid foolishness. But it's a mistake to assume that the existence of non physical beings depends on religious interpretations. I head off to the Institute of Noetic Sciences near San Francisco to meet Dean Radin, a leading researcher in extrasensory perception. I hear Dean has rather different ideas of angels and demons. Dean, from an ESP point of view and looking at a lot of anecdotal uh, phenomena that people report seeing angels and being demon-possessed
3: and all of this,
1: uh, how have you analyzed that data?
3: I view it as uh, a projection of the unconscious. So you don't need to go too far into the ESP world to think about why people persist in believing in such things. But if you did take a step into the ESP world, and you can say, well, if there is some kind of intersubjective reality, a reality that we, we create between ourselves by sharing thoughts, sharing feelings, whatever, uh, then you can imagine that uh, a world where everybody was actually pretty compassionate and kind to each other and so on, but there's a very deep part of us as well, the part which is self-defeating, the part which smokes and drinks when we know we shouldn't smoke and drink, So what happens then if there's some deep, dark part of ourselves, the shadow side, as some psychotherapists psychotherapists might say, uh, that begins to project out into a shared world, a shared inter world? So so let me see if
1: I understand this, because people who see guardian angels or people who are so-called demon-possessed and have to be exorcised in some religious traditions or whatever, uh, you would say th- those are not just psychological phenomena that they have themselves. So, so you, you believe there could be, in some of those cases, something more than just a psychological process?
3: It's, it's a natural extension of the idea that, that you're not locked inside your head. And then the moment you make the leap of faith or maybe the leap of evidence that our, our intentions affect the world around us and affect what other people think to some degree, uh, then it's not that you literally can, can project or like, a, like a, a solid independent entity out there that somebody might call a demon. But on the other hand, you might be create a shared mental space in which it seems very real. It will it'll seem just as real as, as, a, as a hard table would have seems but it's different in type. Let's take, for example, the, the, the issue of haunting and ghosts okay. as, as a kind of independent entity. Right. So the, the, the basic concept is, for, for ones where you can sort of get rid of the psychological explanations, people go to a place and they experience weird things. And sometimes they actually will see a, a character of some type. Well, where did that come from? Assuming that the reports are real and perhaps hundreds of years of people all paying close attention to a given space will change it in some way. And so when somebody new comes along in that vicinity, maybe they resonate in some way with all of these intentions going back into the past.
1: Is it really uh, 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 changing the manifestation of what we call the physical world or is it some window into a, 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 an ethereal world?
3: In the, the sci we say uh, that it's a place memory. It's a physical change. So at an informational level, the physical substrate, like the, the uh, granite wall of a castle, for example, physically changes in some way, and, and it, it stores information. And so when somebody comes in the vicinity of that information, they, they, they pick it up. And
1: this would be the result of this um, combined intersubjectivity power?
3: That, that's one way of thinking of it,
1: yeah. Is there another way to think of it?
3: Well, that, that seems to be the, the most likely reason, that from my perspective, but I'm thinking more or less from a, a physicalist science perspective. Right. The alternative is that there really is something there. Yeah. You know? So from a spiritual perspective, you might think that there is actually some kind of actual entity which has gotten stuck there. What I'm, what I'm suggesting here is, is not so unusual, actually. Uh, there, there is a line of thought that says that uh, if there is something like a collective unconscious Uh, then that should have aspects of telepathy, it might have aspects of psychokinesis. It would have in a large way what we experience in a small way as ESP. Well, what is really large ESP gonna look like? Angels, aliens, and demons.
1: Dean suggests that what are called angels and demons may not be the creations of some god, but rather the manifestations of ESP. Could our collective consciousness bring such strange stuff into existence? This is more bizarre and more fun than I'd realized. But I've had just about enough. I relent, I need a skeptic. Walter Synod Armstrong is professor at Dartmouth and a slayer of all things non-physical. I ask Walter how to deal with various
4: kinds of spirits. How do we deal with them? We deal with them the same way we deal with fairies and gnomes in the garden. I mean, there's just no reason to believe in, in any kind of non-physical creatures. The stories about them are inconsistent. They're non-physical, but they have wings. I mean it 's amazing that people can continue to believe when there 's so many problems with the believing in that. Now, can you prove that they don 't exist? Of course not, but then you 're left with just no reason whatsoever to believe in them. You might as well believe in linus 's great pumpkin in the in the famous peanuts cartoon there's obviously a large contingent of humanity in different cultures that claim to have
1: seen various kinds of beings like this,
4: right, and also that have seen ghosts and fairies and. And, uh, and elves and, and so on. Uh, but the fact that many people claim to have seen them shouldn't convince us that they really do exist because people claim to see all kinds of things. Sometimes they're perfectly honest and they really do think that those things exist. Many people who claim to see ghosts, they really thought there was a ghost in the corner. They looked over there and there seemed to be a shadowy, wavy type of creature in the thing. I'm not you know, I'm not denying that they're being honest. There are these little things in your eyes, at least I've got them, that are floaters that seem to float out there. And when you get scared, one of those floaters might look like a ghost.
1: The argument is that various cultures that really have nothing to do with one another in terms of their belief systems, sometimes even their interactions, so many cultures have this uh, as part of them.
4: They're the same kinds of of, of non-physical beings that are so pervasive. Well, there are a lot of differences as well, which can be explained by cultural factors. And the similarities are explained by the similarities in motivation. So all cultures are going to have a motivation to believe in demons of some sort that lead humans astray. It's gonna make them feel better about themselves and their friends and family. That's not gonna vary from culture to culture. And that's gonna produce many similarities in the way in which we think about those creatures. But there's still vast differences created by cultures in the way these demons are conceived.
1: Walter offers physical, psychological, and cultural explanations of why a false belief in angels and demons would arise but religious convictions are so strong. What's the biblical basis for belief in angels and demons? I ask biblical expert James Tabor, author of The Jesus Mm -hmm. Dynasty. Jim, what can we say about the embedding of angels and demons in the history of religions?
5: What what we can know historically is is quite amazing. Um, For example, You know this translation of the Bible that I've been working on for over a decade, the original Bible project? Do you know that in the entire Hebrew Bible I will not even have the word angel Mm. anywhere? Mm. And the reason is that all of those translations you read in English about angels appearing, it's the word malak, which means messenger, Mm. And even though in some cases they are entities from God's side of things, you know, spiritual entities, the word angel I think is extremely misleading because the word is also used for messengers if King David sends messengers to tell Saul something. It's the the same word. So it doesn't have that connotation of the winged creatures benevolently watching over. In the Hebrew Bible, demon doesn't occur at all. Never. There's one story about a being in the heavenly court, a kind of God sits with these Elohim, mm-hmm. these beings. And one of them says, let me be a lying spirit in the mouth of this prophet. Almost like, let me go play this trick. But he's not a demon. So although the ancient Hebrews believed in the in entities beyond this world it wasn't thickly populated so that evil is explained by these demons. So what happens as you get into the later period, the Hellenistic world with many other ideas that correlate with angels and demons you get this sense of pessimism that Why is there war? Why is there disease? Why is there so much injustice? Why is there so much suffering? There has to be more of an explanation than just fate or that's the way it is. And I think it was very convenient for people to imagine that if there's sickness, it's because there's a demon. There's a bit of that in the Hebrew Bible, but when you open the New Testament, you're suddenly in that world where almost Jesus' whole career and activity casting out demons, healing the sick, somebody who is crippled, it's because Satan has bound this person for so many years and so forth. There's no hell, ever burning hell, and there's not this whole setup of cosmology that you later get with Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. So what you have to ask, I think... Certainly,
1: later Judaism has all of that. Has all of that. Just like Christianity.
5: So for someone like you on a a quest that wants to combine the history with the science, a real question you've got to face. I just
1: want to know the truth. I don't care what you combine with anything. I just want to know... I,
5: I think the demonically populated world, thick as flies, causing everything with Satan at the helm with thousands of myriads of angels and hell and all of this is a comparatively late development Mm. and probably tells us very little about the cosmos as it exists. It's this attempt to explain the world with all of its problems and troubles in some transcendent, sensible way to make everything come out okay and explain basically why there's such evil.
1: Most human beings believe in angels and demons. Across diverse cultures, non-physical beings, in great numbers and variety, fly freely in people's imaginations. How to explain such robust, broad-based belief? It depends on one's worldview. Naturalists reject the reality of all such claims citing personal illusion, mass delusion, and cultural viruses as underlying causes. Though not prevalent in the Hebrew Bible, angels and demons are Christian doctrine, real beings created by God as part of God's grand master plan. The radical alternative advocated by ESP researchers is that angels and demons are manifestations of the paranormal, such as collective consciousness or place memory. Surely angels and demons help us understand the human psyche. But are they more? Who'd have thought that angels and demons could wing us closer to truth?